again. He gets the edge and he's brilliantly caught by Kawaja in the gully. Drops it at his toes and comes through for a single for the first time in the Australian summer. An Australian batsman gets the chance to kiss the bat. Head down the pitch. He drives. This could be it. He beats it off. The arm is in the air already. There's nothing quite like your first test century. The Renegades have proved that nothing is impossible. This is Test Cricket. Covering cricket across Australia and right around the globe. This is Stumps with Bryce McGain and Jordan Cornelis. Welcome to Stumps for another week here right across the country. Jordan Cornelis with you. And with me again this week is Bryce McGain, former Victorian spin bowler. Bryce, it's good to be back with you talking cricket for another week. It is great to be back. And, uh, well, the cricket season is officially underway Domestic Sheffield Shield is, is there. We spoke about the, the Marsh Cup, the one-day stuff last week, but uh, they're right in the thick of the action. Uh, every state competing for the Sheffield Shield at the moment, which is uh, very exciting. Plenty of world and international cricket. The the ladies doing exceptionally well at the Australian level as well. And, uh, well, of course, all club cricketers are underway. Mm. Um, they started last week. Yeah, there's plenty to, to talk about, plenty to get through. We had the conclusion of the women's series uh, at the start of the week and they are now moving to their WBBL uh, season now before we, before they reconvene in February next year. Um, uh, But I think the Sheffield shield is probably the main, it's the main focal point of of Australian cricket right now. It's what we've got happening. It's in the lead up to the, uh, to the international summer coming up later in this month and also in November. And it's, I think it's where all eyes are currently situated. Yeah, they, they are indeed. There's four rounds of the Sheffield shield leading into that first test, which is, uh, well, a tremendous opportunity for the players to to put up their, oh, I guess, their best performances and uh, look for selection in that first test. And a number of them have done that. A number of the players are taking opportunity in the very first one. And uh, I guess the the game that I've been watching closely has been the Victorian South Australian game at the Junction Oval. Been mm. been calling that for cricket.com.au. And uh, well, it was a run feast by the Victorians straight up from the off the bat, scoring six hundred in their first innings of the season. <laughs> um, Nick Maddinson. Uh, leading the charge there, opening the batting for Victoria. He scored 224 and, and batted well in excess of a day and uh, just looked completely untroubled and completely in control of his game. Um, a most impressive innings by him. What did you make of, uh, firstly, the the look of the Victorian team? It's a, a new season. There's a couple of players that have come and gone. Not too many. It looks very similar to last season, uh, but one or two players here and there, as always, with any any team. But... The actual squad that was put together. What did you think of of the Victorian lineup heading into into this match? Well, the firepower was certainly there. Uh, the, the Test opening batsman in Marcus Harris, he got 116 on day one and, and batted beautifully there. They got off to a real flying start, actually, Madison and Harris, and then Will Pekoski, the wonder kid, 21 year old, he scored 400s in uh, in his, well, yeah. Uh, his fourth hundred um, at 21 at, at first class hundred, which is absolutely fantastic. Peter Hanscom, obviously a test player there batting at four. And then if that isn't enough and they've set the, the platform well enough, Aaron Finch and Glenn Maxwell coming in at five and six. So it's a powerhouse batting lineup. Sam Harper, we know the danger he has. He, he's he got the gloves for Victoria at the moment, uh, ahead of Seb Gotch, and who, who's injured at the moment. But Sam Harper, of course, very aggressive in the way that he plays in the big bash. So a lot of firepower with their with their batting lineup. And look, the bowling, and that's probably been the strength and why Victoria keep winning Sheffield Shield titles is the yeah. depth of their bowling. Uh, Peter Siddle, 
just coming back from a quad, wasn't up for selection in this one. But the bowlers that are in, it's Scott Boland. He took 48 wickets last year. Chris Tremaine, 43 wickets in a Sheffield Shield year. And James Pattinson, um, back to his very best. Uh, a few test matches for Australia, of course, in the Ashes. And, you know, that that's the, the fast bowling attack. And John Holland uh, being the, the sole spinner for Victoria. So... It's a powerhouse lineup, and they really flex their muscle in the early stages. Uh, as I say, a, a batting run feast. They scored 600. Will Pekoski, another 100, uh, batting at three. He got 123. I mentioned Mark and Harris with 116, and Nick Maddinson, 224. So big total there in six declared for 616. Um, South Australia lost a wicket off their first ball and probably had to do with... Uh, Poor uh, Weatherall, he, he'd been out there, um, Jake Weatherall, he, he'd been out there 150 overs in the field, went out first ball. <laughs> Peter Siddle, uh, not Peter Siddle, sorry, James Pattinson taking the wicket there. And uh, look, it, it, it's hard going. It's a very good flatting, uh, flat batting wicket at the Junction Oval. but And it's probably indicative of just how the conditions are in Melbourne in October is because there hasn't been any real hot weather. The, the wicket's bound together. It's not going to crack up or crumble. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it makes for – it's not a fast wicket by any means, slow wicket, but uh, very good batting conditions. That batting depth of Victoria, I feel like they're, they are probably – there might only be two other states who can somewhat match that that batting power. I think WA have a, have a great batting list, and they've got a bit of depth there as well. And yep. We know how – how many of their batsmen can fire. And I think the other one for me would probably be Queensland. They've got some well-known names in their team when they have them all. A lot of them are Australian players. So they'll, you know, at some point they'll lose, lose Usman Khawaja. They'll lose Marnus Labashain. They might lose Matt Renshaw depending on the situation. Um, but I think though, I think Victoria probably stands up and then you've got WA and Queensland who fall in behind those other two, uh, other two states who who can be matched for, for batting power. Yeah, spot on, Jordan. And that's a you know it's a, a a clear observation. That's that's the case. And a lot of those players would be good to check in with how they're going. So look, Victoria well on top, obviously against mm-hmm. uh, South Australia, but uh, the Queensland their, their top order. You, you touched on them. The, the way that they started uh, a little disappointing. They got 150 uh, runs. Renshaw out pretty cheaply for 19. Joe Burns. Uh, as you mentioned, uh, Australian players. Uh, he missed out as well with 13. Usman Khawaja, just the one. Marnus Labashain, again, in a difficult circumstances, the only real Queensland batsman to score. He got 69 yeah. and, and fought his way through. And he was most impressive in the Ashes, the way he, he came in to replace Steve Smith and uh, and batted uh, in that top order and and, and really held his own. Like he, he made some real tough, gritty runs and, and went on with it, scored a number of 50s. Um, so showing that at test level. So credit to Marnus Labashain. Um, they really missed out. And I guess from they're playing New South Wales up at the up at the Gabba. And the, all eyes then immediately go on to Dave Warner. He had a, he had a diabolical Ashes series, but uh, he's bounced back. He got 125. And as soon as it's strained conditions and Dave Warner can bat through, it's not easy batting conditions up there early in the year. The Gabba can be pretty dangerous. The ball's swinging around, lots of slips, lots of edges. But yeah. more important than the 125 runs he scored, 221 balls. So it wasn't just going out there and blazing it. He had to work really, really hard. And, and credit to him to see him bounce back. The only other New South Wales batsman, young Nick Burtis, who got 53. So Steve Smith out for a duck. Uh, I have no doubt the uh, the England uh, selectors and all that. Unbelievable. <laughs> Just after bowling uh, off spin and leg spin that he bowled <laughs> to um, to the uh, Queenslanders there for a little patch, just showing all his tricks. But out for a duck, unbelievable. Just goes to show um, what a bouncy wicket will do. He's uh, certainly accustomed to playing on those flat wickets over in England. 
Look, it's, it's just difficult batting conditions. And, and credit to Dave Warner. He would have had some real doubts, I think. Chris Broad around the wicket really shook him up and just nipped him off for fun. But, um, look, he's bounced back. And, mm-hmm. and credit to him, really. Uh, you know, it, it takes a lot of... Uh, cricket's difficult in, in that respect. And it takes a lot of, uh, I guess, mental strength to get through just as much as it does take some skill as well. The Steve Smith situation is an extraordinary one oh, now. Out for a duck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Out for, out for a duck. I think that's the first time in three years that's happened. And the man who, he got bowled by a yank. How yeah. did that happen? Well, not quite. Cameron Gannon, he was born in Australia, but yep. does represent the USA, though, which is uh, that's a, that's a, the biggest quirk I've ever seen. It is. It is indeed. Uh, a bouncing ball. He went to drive it off the back foot through the covers and just got an outside edge of like a rocket, i got to tell mm. you, because he really went hard at it and good catch by Joe Burns. Yeah, but, really good. But look, it just goes to show, um, you know, you're one ball away from getting him out. But uh, I, I think that puts a fair bit of dread into the uh, the other batsmen going around. Uh, oh, sorry, the the other, the, the test playing nations coming up, Pakistan and uh, and also New Zealand. They go, well, he's gone out cheap there. He won't be wanting to go out cheap uh, <laughs> when he's playing in the test. So look, he's an outstanding batsman. He'll get another opportunity up there later in this uh, Sheffield Shield round. And, of course, the other Shield game on at the moment over at the the Wacker, mm-hmm. uh, WA taking on Tasmania. So players of note in that game, uh, we, we look at the batting lineup and probably with it, WA who batted first to the Cameron Bancroft at the top even, of the order. Even spread with, with WA in this match. No no real standout, but a couple no. of couple of decent knocks from, from a couple of batsmen. And that's probably the frustrating part because if you're getting starts in Shield cricket, you've really got to go on with it. And it's yeah. probably indicative of the players, you know, Cameron Bancroft got 30 and then went out. Um, Sean Marsh, he was out cheaply for nine. Uh, Mitchell Marsh batting at four, 41, but then missing out. Uh, Marcus Stoinis with 61, the, the one that really stands out there, the top scorer. Philippi with 48, Ingalls with 42. So this all starts, a lot of starts. Ashton Agar even there, you know, with 20 yeah. and, and Cameron Green, 34. So there's a lot of starts in that lineup and no one going on with it. And that's, at first class cricket, that's probably a bit disappointing. Once you get in and you do that start, um, you know, the very best players, once you get to 40, they're getting to 140. And uh, and certainly you can see the difference here with the top of the Victorian Lineup. They yeah. all went on and made hundreds. The first top, the, the first three, um, the WA players just maybe missing out there. Of course, the players of note for Tasmania: Matthew Wade, uh, Test player, batting at six now, not taking the gloves. He got forty, um, and has and has been dismissed. Just to finish off, can we cycle back to the Victorian match? Uh, I think Nick Maddinson, regardless of what happens over the rest of the weekend, heading into tomorrow, um, he, he'll be the story of the weekend. That double ton to start the Shield season. Where does he feature now? In Because his story has been a fascinating one. He was at New South Wales for a long time, started to run out of opportunities there, came to Victoria for a change-up, has clearly taken his opportunity, had a few matches for Australia, and now he started the Shield season like this. So where does he feature in, in the green and gold setup or, or the, the white setup even? Yeah, well, he, he came and joined uh, Victoria last season uh, and, and started. He's played six Shield games for Victoria, made 400s, including this double century. So... It's quite an extraordinary um, run of form that he's got since he changed states, and it, it, it's so fascinating to see how well he played in that in, on day one and into day two as well for Victoria. To see that he wasn't offered a contract uh, from New South Wales, extraordinarily, it's it's quite amazing that a player of his caliber and and the way he goes about it, he's performing so well. I think the change of environments uh, really 
really set things up for him. The Victorian lineup, you can certainly see just the confidence and trust they have in each other. The batsmen just go and play to their strengths. They're yeah. enjoying their cricket. It really is a relaxed environment there under Andrew McDonald and certainly one that agrees with Nick Maddinson and, and another player who, who transferred across from WA in, in Marcus Harris uh, has really flourished and, and, and thrived in the environment, which is a lot more relaxed. And uh, it, it's very good to see. So Nick Maddinson, look, he's right in the picture. This is Stumps, Jordan Canellis with you. Bryce McGain with me again for week number two of Stumps. Plenty more to come on the show. We'll have a look at the Australian T20 squad, which was announced during the week with some notable omissions, but even more notable uh, inclusions. Coming up next, though, we speak to Mike Yardy, who is the new New South Wales batting coach. She's come over from England to take the reins of the batsman up in New South Wales. So we'll speak to him today on Stumps. You're listening to Stumps, your weekly update for everything cricket. Welcome back to Stumps. Jordan Canellis with you. Bryce McGain with me. We are in the middle of the first week of the Sheffield Shield season. There is plenty to dissect from round number one, and we haven't even reached the end of the first matches. It's great pleasure for or to have on the program one of the coaches involved in the Sheffield Shield this season. He's the new batting coach of New South Wales. He comes over from uh, from the motherland, the old enemy, England. He's come down to Australia, though, to take the reins of the batsman at New South Wales. His name is Mike Yardy, and it's a pleasure to have him on the program. Mike, during uh, during the middle of a Sheffield Shield match, thank you very much for coming on. Hi, how you doing, guys? All right. Very good. So you've you've been now in uh, in the setup for what about two or so months now? How are you enjoying the New South Wales setup? Yeah, no, I've been here for two months. I kind of got uh, here just at the back end of kind of preseason, and then the kind of trial games. And uh, yeah, no, it's been good. It's been good. It's been uh, it's, a, it's a real good environment to work in. Uh, the guys have been working kind of hard previously uh, to my arrival, and you know, it's continued now, and uh, you know, going well at the moment in in this current game. So uh, no, it's been it's been a nice kind of uh, into um, kind of integration back into kind of into this uh, Australian system. Mike, uh, great to be talking with you. Um, you you've had a, a star-studded career uh, in, in the county system with Sussex, and uh, and I guess as a player in all forms of the game and representing England as well, there's a lot to offer. How did this come about? Um, you leaving the UK and and coming across to Sydney. Yeah, so um, so I've been at Sussex, as you say, for kind of 17 years as a player and then three years as a coach. Um, but I kind of felt that, um, you know, great for me to have a new challenge. And, you know, I saw the job come up and, you know, I knew kind of what a, a you know, good environment kind of New South Wales was. So I kind of put my hat in the ring and went through kind of interview process and, you know, here I am. So, you know, very happy to be here and, uh, you know, lucky to work with, you know, obviously some very good players in, in the Shield team at the moment, but also, you know, one thing that's really apparent is there is a lot of, a good stock of young batsmen coming through. Um, so that's, you know, that's very exciting as a coach as well to to kind of have the opportunity to hopefully, you know, help them improve and help, help them reach their potential. So there was no prior connection to New South Wales or to, to the Australian Sheffield Shield setup? This was purely just a, a job opportunity that came up and you took it? Yeah, no, absolutely. There was no kind of, um, you know, I think I played against Phil Jakes a couple of times, but, you know, I hadn't really spoke to him a huge amount. Um, yes, and, you know, there's no kind of real kind of link in there. It was just, uh, you know, I saw the opportunity came up and thought, you know what, I'll put my hat in the ring. And, you know, and then I suppose that, you know, from 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 my point of view, it's, it's a 
great opportunity for me to, to, as you say, work in the Australian system, work in a different environment, but also, I suppose, give you know slightly different kind of ideas of you know of how how things may be done. But obviously, not kind of push too hard with them, but just kind of gently kind of ease them in of you know things that maybe could be done slightly differently. But you know, obviously, have a lot being done very well already. Mike, you must have impressed in that interview. Um, what are the things that that you said that uh, probably give you that point of difference uh, that that would have it would have been a much sought after role batting coach of New South Wales? But obviously, there's some things that uh, are your strengths. Uh, do you want to share a couple of those? Yeah, so I think I think uh, I try and keep the game kind of very simple. You know, I think it's a game of basics. Um, I've been studying kind of sports psychology for. Or five years now, I'm kind of one year away from um, potentially being able to, to kind of work as a sports psychologist. So I think that's quite a key aspect in, especially you know, not just cricket and being batting and kind of understanding you know the mental side of the game. Mm. You know, obviously having the fundamentals technically and things like that is important for a player. But I think you know nowadays, I think it's really important that you know understanding how different people think, not necessarily you know how I used to think as a player, but, you know, so many different ways that different people, you know, go about things and understanding, you know, what works for them, you know, what good habits they have and what habits that, you know, maybe they think are helping them actually they're not. So, um, so that's kind of, I suppose, my aspect of, uh, of coaching kind of, you know, very much starting, you know, understanding how people work mentally and um, and also help them technically. Mike, how did you think as a player? You, you mentioned there that maybe you thought a little bit differently, maybe to now you, how you're coaching. Yeah, I think the key thing as a coach is not to, I mean, unless you're an absolute, you know, great at the game, I think, you know, it's understanding that people do it differently. And I certainly, you know, I I think I, as a player, probably got absolutely every ounce of, you know, I did it out myself. I wouldn't say I was the most gifted, talented player in the world. And, you know, I was quite happy of kind of what I achieved. And, you know, like anything, you might achieve a little bit more, a little bit less, but, you know, I certainly worked very hard. Um, but, as, you know, and then, I suppose always had an interest in the kind of psychology of, of how people think. So that was why I went down that route to kind of study. And, um, you know, saying that really interests me. Um, and as I say, it's, you know, I think, I think if I, if you can understand the person as well as the kind of cricketer, then that gives you a great chance as a coach, not just understanding kind of techniques. Cause I think now technically, I think, you know, with the internet, the way it is, I think you can, you know, understand people technique. If you, if you look on the internet, but understanding, what someone thinks about when they go and play and, and, and how that kind of works with their technique. I think that, well, that can hopefully, you know, help, hopefully help players. Mike, there's no doubt about that. And you're on a winner, most definitely working with the psychology of the game. Um, are you noticing any difference differences? And I know you've only been here a couple of months between, I guess, how cricket has played here. There, there aren't as many games as what there are in the county system. It's It's just full throttle right from the start of the season to the end of the season in the UK. But here with less um, Sheffield Shield games uh, and first class matches, um, it's broken up a bit different. Are there some differences that you're noticing already? I think so. I think, I mean, one thing in, in the UK is because like you say, a lot of cricket coming in thick and fast is that, you know, a lot of the preparation is actually, it might sound strange, but done during matches. So, you know, someone might necessarily have a huge hit on the morning of the game just because, you know, their, their last four-day game was, you know, a couple of days ago. We're here is a little bit more time to kind of prepare, uh, you know, a couple of days leading into into a fixture. And I think that makes a big difference of how people prepare rather than kind of trying to, uh, not how can I put this in the right way, but not 
trying to cram something in you know, in a short space of time to feel good. Actually, you get a little bit of preparation time to improve yourself as a player. Um, you know, and actually really prepare for what's coming up against you. So, you know, things like, you know, us here playing at the Gabba, I think, you know, understanding that the pitch is going to be very different to, to kind of Sydney and, and being able to put things in place to prepare for that. Um, and that's something that, you, you know, that's difficult in the UK. But, but on the other hand is that when you're playing well in England, you know, you've gained stick and fast. So, you're, you know, you can really get on a hot streak. How about the the differences? So that's in the preparation. What about mm. once they get into the match? Is there a, a noticeable difference between the the fundamentals and the the techniques of an English batsman compared to an Australian batsman? I, I mean, what, what the first thing I noticed in the first few days is how um, players play a lot more comfortable, kind of being on their back foot. You know, just by the nature of the bounce of the pitches. But I think in England, you know, players don't tend to kind of have a, a big back foot game just because until they you know, until players play international cricket, I think because just by the nature of the pitches, you know, it's very much about, um, you know, playing on the front foot, you know, with the odd shot on the back foot. And I think that's one thing that was notably kind of from a from a technical point of view. Um, yeah, that that would be the initial the initial kind of thing. Uh, but, you know, it's, for the cricket, I suppose, it changes slightly. But, you know, the bowlers are trying to hit top of off, you know, predominantly, you know, with the odd kind of change up, you know, I don't think that changes around the world. It might adjust slightly what is top of off on different pitches. Um, you know, and bat- the batter's challenge is to kind of find, not obviously have a good enough technique, but also find game plans that can kind of eradicate that and, and uh, make it easier to score. Now, Matt, one of the things you've you've been able to experience in the very first Sheffield Shield game is, is the Gabba. And the Gabba in October is a, a very different beast. I know the Victorians, when we'd go up there, our eyes would just mm. about pop out of our head, this green leafy wicket, and uh, <laughs> it puts shutters through the top order, I can assure you. The, the, the guys from Melbourne going up, they'd spent the whole winter inside. Um, it, did it look like that in, on day one? Obviously, New South Wales had the first opportunity with the ball, but uh, it, was it as lively as that? And uh, further to that, you know, just seeing the, the rewards that uh, Dave Warner had um, being able to bat there as well. It's a serious challenge at this time of year on that wicket, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it was interesting, actually, because obviously the talk was it would be very green, but actually, you know, it wasn't It wasn't actually that green. It was quite soft, but it wasn't, you didn't say it was kind of the same colour as the rest of the square. It was actually, you know, reasonably white. So it wasn't as kind of maybe people would expect it. Um, yep. You know, but that first that first day, I think we both, you know, really disciplined with our lengths. Uh, and as I said, the pitch was stuck in a little bit. It was a little bit slow. Um, and then we kind of held for a long period and kind of give too much away and then kind of reap the rewards in the last session. And, you know, and and, and I think, I suppose, the one thing's notable at, at the Gabby, you have to leave well. And certainly Dave Warner, you know, and Nick Burt is in the second game. They both left very well and had a, you know, big part, have had a big partnership in the game. So, you know, um, yeah, Dave Warner looked in, in, in fine, Nick, and looked like he's moving very well. And it's uh, really pleasing, I think, for everyone I suppose, in the whole country to see him kind of get a big hundred. Yeah, a lot more patient than probably we anticipate and and know Dave Warner to be. Um, you mentioned that he left the ball well, and uh, it is it is a different um, batting strip there to what it is in England, isn't it? Very different to what he experienced with Chris Board around the wicket um, uh, with the Dukes ball. Uh, di- different to batting up at the Gabba. Yeah, I mean, like you say, the, the kind of bounce at the Gabba is... Um, you know, it's very true and kind of come through. In England, it kind of skids it a little bit more. So yeah, it was it was it was different. But um, you know, obviously the guy has an unbelievable record, and uh, you know, and I'm sure 
he'll continue to improve on that record. Um, he, you know, he's a, a fine player, and he's, uh, you know, I think he's he's been excellent around the lads in terms of kind of helping and giving advice. So, you know, it's very good for New South Wales to have him in. You've got a couple of uh, fantastic world-class batsmen in your stable, uh, Mike. You've got obviously David Warner and also Stephen Smith. Uh, in the New South Wales setup for the time being, before they inevitably head off with the Australian uh, team, what have you been able to, I guess, teach them? Teach two of the the biggest and best world class batsmen in in international cricket. How have you been able to maybe change or tweak or or give them advice in their games? Oh, I don't think I, I don't think I, at the moment do anything really. I think they're obviously fine, fine players, and um, you know they know their games and they know what they need. Um, you know, and, that, and that's kind of been it and trying to facilitate them as best I can in terms of, you know, giving them what they want as all the coaches have. But no, they, they know what they're about and, you know, you don't have the records they don't they have without understanding, you know, what it takes to have success. So, um, no, I think they kind of very much know what they need, um, you know, to prepare for, for not just Shield games, but obviously international games as well. Does your stint with New South Wales include a Big Bash team? Yes, it does. Uh, you'll be working with the uh, Sydney Thunder yeah, so for the big bad chip, which is kind of exciting to uh, kind of work with Shane Bond to kind of uh, actually play the under him when I uh, did a T20 stint in New Zealand. So, yeah, it'd be nice to kind of work alongside him and, and the guys from kind of Thunder and, uh, yeah, experience that as well. So, you know, and, and as I say, hopefully, you know, I want to add some value there as well. Um, it'll be, you know, be a really good good time of year to kind of, you know, experience um, that and hopefully have a successful season with the Thunder. Mike, you were an international batsman with England as well. You played at the start of this decade with the England ODI team and you played against Australia a couple of times. What do you recall most fondly from your time playing international cricket against Australia in particular? Uh, yeah, I was lucky enough to do, a, I think it was a Commonwealth Bank series uh, here in 2011. I mean, I, re- I, I really enjoyed kind of playing cricket in Australia. I mean, we didn't have the most, I think we... I think we may have won both of the T20s and then lost the uh, one-day series quite comfortably. But, you know, it's a great place to play cricket. And, you know, there's a real, you know, people are very competitive about their cricket, but there's a real passion for it. And, you know, and it was a real, I really enjoyed that that kind of, that tour. Um, it was challenging, um, but something that, you know, you know, so I think any player kind of wants to do, if he can't play in the Ashes, and definitely want to play at least a one-day series in Australia. So I do remember that very fondly of kind of, experienced some some hard cricket and you know and some entertaining crowds and uh yes yeah, i really enjoyed about kind of playing international cricket now what are you looking forward to most obviously there's going to be a lot of cricket on the menu uh sydney's got some beautiful beaches and some nice places to go what have you found already <laughs> already well, i've got three kids so every time we have a day off i'm kind of at zoos or uh going on boats or or finding times kind of entertaining them and getting them into cricket clubs. So uh, yeah, I mean, Sydney looks at you know well, it is a fantastic place to to kind of live and have been a short period of time. But um, yeah, I think I think we'll probably go up the uh, Sydney Harbour Bridge at some time uh, yeah, at some point as well. So um, I'm not necessarily looking forward to that, but I can't let my wife go out there without me. So <laughs> it's, a pride, it's a pride thing, isn't it? So I can't you know have that. So uh, yeah, I'll get up there. <laughs> Uh, Mike, you've you've been a, a central figure as well in in England and in English cricket with um, mental health awareness, and you've been yeah. you've been public in that too. You've done a lot of work in that space over in the UK. What's your history with all of that, and do you look will you look to continue that um, here in Australia? Um, oh, look, I kind of you know I've had my own kind of difficult experiences with mental health. Kind of, uh, I think everyone 
you know, who's, who suffers, who's, you know, is unfortunate to suffer, has their own, you know, it's very individual. But I do think there's a, you know, there is an element of understanding of, you know, giving people time and things like that. So if there was ever a, a opportunity to kind of help anyone or provide advice and something, I'm very willing to do because I really think it's such a, I mean, you know, as I said, a little bit of my coaching as well. I think if, if someone's happy off the pitch, then they're more likely to perform on the pitch. So, um I think that's a real fundamental. I think you know that's certainly over time. Sometimes you can you can be doing okay on the pitch, not struggling off it, but over time it will kind of it will catch up with you if you don't kind of look after it. So you know I'm a great believer in that. And uh, you know if there's anything I can do to help people, then that's something that I'm very keen to do because it's you know people were very good to me when I went through tough times, and you know I think it's really important to give back. Mike, it's been a pleasure talking to you today on Stumps. Best of luck for the season ahead. Best of luck for this match. You've- been good enough to join us in the middle of a Sheffield Shield match, so good luck for the rest of this match against Queensland and also for the season ahead. Thank you very much, guys. Have a good afternoon. Mike Yardy there, the new New South Wales batting coach, uh, part of the state setup, and it was a, a brilliant chat, brilliant for him to join us at this stage of, uh, of a Shield match, Bryce, but a great story as well. Yeah, great opportunity for him to come over, as he said, and uh, he, he certainly would have stood out, um, and I guess the experiences and the way he wants to coach is not just all about skill, but about the mental application and obviously yeah. having his own challenges. There's no more stressful game than cricket, I can assure you. <laughs> no more st- stressful role than a batsman in cricket, because uh, unfortunately, well, more often than not, you're going to fail, and uh, um, through his own experience and skills, and, and ability and uh, and track record of, as a player, but now as a coach, um, those New South Wales batsmen are in good hands. Absolutely. We'll head to a break here on Stumps. We'll come back on the other side of this and we'll uh, turn our attention to the international scene with the T20s not far away and then also what's happening around the globe. You're listening to Stumps, your weekly update for everything cricket. Welcome back to Stumps this weekend on the opening weekend of the Sheffield Shield season. Uh, it's been great to review so far what's been happening in the Shield with one day to come, and we'll continue to do that over the next couple of weeks in the lead-up to the first tests of the summer. Um, before all the tests begin, though, Bryce McGain here on Stumps, we've got the T20 series, which come up uh, in about, what, two weeks from now, end of the month, and then into the start of November. We've got uh, six T20 internationals all up, three against Sri Lanka, three against Pakistan, and the squad was announced during the week, so I think it's time that we run an eye over it. There was a couple of um, interesting selection decisions. Firstly, most prominently, rejoining the squad, Stephen Smith and also Dave Warner, which I think we probably all expected after uh, their re-inclusion during the Ashes series. But a couple of notable omissions as well, Bryce. Yeah, well, you mentioned that Steve Smith comes back into the Australian T20 lineup. Hasn't played T20 cricket for Australia for three and a half years. Mm. So uh, it's probably uh, a little known, obviously, bit of suspension involved in that as well but uh so he's back into the lineup there and it really hasn't necessarily been his best game um more more, has been more successful in the obviously test cricket has been outstanding and one day cricket and t20 maybe not quite so much uh we know the damaging power of dave warner at the top of the order that's how he got there in the first place is um, blazing the ball all over in the shorter form of the game so they're welcome inclusions in there and certainly make the team stronger the ones missing out for for me, um, Marcus Stoinis, unlucky, um, ha- has made uh, last summer particularly some terrific runs, but probably uh, his World Cup has really worked against him. And I know that's one-day cricket um, that they played in England, but really didn't fire a shot over there. 
really well, highly regarded for his closing out um, bowling uh, as an all-rounder, his ability to bowl Yorkers and change of pace and execute well in that respect, but really didn't fire with a bat. So he finds himself out of that lineup, also out of the lineup as Chris Lean. And that's not too surprising for me. Chris Lean, unfortunately, just with injury and that, can't really throw the ball. He's fielding subpar, so you've got to hide him in the field. But he can be really damaging when the ball's coming on. You, we've all seen him just belt the ball around the gabber in the big bash and, yeah. and how, you know, what a threat he is to the the, the, the top-end bowlers uh, by every opposition when the ball's coming through like that. And Darcy Short also misses out on the squad, which was um, was part of the, the T20 just before. So they're the notable exclusions. Yeah. I think... I feel like Chris Lynn and Darcy Short, they are, I mean, they're fantastic batsmen in the, in the, in the big bash and we love watching them, but I feel like generally they've sort of haven't quite lived up to the hype when they play for the national team. I haven't really, there's been maybe a couple, but generally speaking, most of the time they haven't quite been able to carry that big bash form over into, into the national setup. No, you're right. And, and they've been completely dominant at, at big bash form. And I think, both of them seem to have this level of freedom when they're playing Big Bash, mm. and it's probably uh, what's been a really successful formula. Both bat at the top of the order, and they, they can go out there. That um, They have been very successful, but if they fail, they walk off with a smile on their face. That's okay, because sometimes that'll happen, and it's sort of regarded. But maybe there's a little bit more pressure. They feel a bit more pressure and a bit more on the spotlight when they're representing Australia and trying to... Hold on to that representative position. But, of course, Aaron Finch will captain that lineup, and uh, we know his great experience and uh, and his great ability. He's in top form. I saw him belt the ball all over the place in the Shield game. He's hit four sixes and uh, <laughs> scored 50 off about 39 balls in the Shield game against South Australia, but he's coming off also 188 uh, in, against Queensland in the, the Marsh Cup the one day of the mm-hmm. week before. So... He's in top form. He's hitting the ball really well and looking forward to that opportunity. He's had a bit of a back spasm, so he's uh, he, he's just tightened up in the back maybe because he's swinging so hard hitting those sixes, but uh, he, he'll be back and, and leading the lineup there. I think important to note also just around the spin bowling stocks, um, and this is probably where Australia have really missed the, the opportunity. In T20 cricket, the world's best to always have two or three spin options in their team. Yeah, Australia, again, um, backing that up with the quicks, but the spin options Australia are using and have picked for this series, uh, Adam's Zampa and um, and the other one there is Agar Ashton Agar um, to bowl a bit of spin. Obviously, Glenn Maxwell, um, his spin is improving. Yep. His off spin uh, time he spent over in England, so he's really getting the ball to drop a lot more rather than cutting around the side of the ball more over spin on the ball. So maybe that may, may come into play and maybe has pushed out Nathan Lyon in that in that type of selection, knowing that Glenn Maxwell, of course, with the bat, um, can blaze them all parts. The uh, the fast bowlers as well in the team, a lot of the, uh, or some of the top liners, Pat Cummins is there, Mitchell Stark is there as well. Then you've also got guys like Billy Stanlake, Kane Richardson, and Ben McDermott as well, who we saw um, his sort of introduction into the national setup uh, not that long ago. Um, so the bowling options there and a few of the all-rounder options. Do you, I mean, normally the, the T20 setup has been, uh, a sort of a, a field for maybe some of the fringe players, players who might be looking to get into the one-day team, yep. um, players who are in good form in the big bash. But now I think from here to – and this is all towards – with an eye towards the, the World T20. Uh, in 12 months' time. In 12 months' time yeah. next year. So this is going to be – from now for the next 12 months, we'll see a lot more of those top-line players, the players who you expect to see in 
in World Cup contention in these sorts of squads. Yeah, that's exactly right. And T20 is definitely a game where the batters play a particular role. Um, one player we haven't mentioned, or if I do cover off the bowling attack, Big Billy Stanlake, you know, because he's so different, he's so tall and he, and he bowls at um, a really awkward length. Uh, is very hard to get hold of in those type of games. So he, he certainly comes in because he's got that point of difference. Stark, of course, the left armour can go round the wicket and bowl Yorkers. Great closing out. And, uh, and of course, Pat Cummins, well, you pick him all the time because not only is he a good-looking rooster, but he's, uh, he does everything <laughs> really, really well. Um, Ashton Turner's the one that I was getting to with a role play. Because he's so aggressive, he can really finish off an innings or chase down a target and batting in that middle-order role. It's it's a tough role to do, batting at that 8-9, yeah. but, but it, it's got to be an explosive hitter. You can't just have a batter just peeling away there. So he does give them an option there, but he'd also bowl some off spin, maybe a little bit underrated there. Big tall guy too. Is Ashton Turner one of the more underrated players in the domestic setup in particular? I feel like he's, he's a good run scorer, but you can take wickets too. Absolutely. He is highly respected by all opposition and he's a very, very dangerous batter. Maybe not a household name yeah, uh, no. for, for what he does, but... Uh, but boy, oh boy, is he highly respected by his peers. Yeah, they, they certainly do rate him very, very highly. How do these how do these uh, Sri Lanka and Pakistan T20 sides rank? Yeah, it's not going to be any pushover at all. The, the exciting one for me, the one that I'm looking forward to, is the third T20 against Sri Lanka. That's at the MCG. That hopefully will be a deciding game because uh, we know what a strong, powerful and vocal Sri Lankan community there is in Melbourne, uh, the, the second biggest capital behind, uh, well, the, their capital in, in Sri Lanka, Colombo, is here in Melbourne. So there's so many Sri Lankan people here and it, it, the the MCG is absolutely rocking all the time. Yeah. So it's terrific to see and I hope that's still a live one there. Look, I, I think it's not going to be easy for Australia. Pakistan, a, a, a very talented team. Um They've got a lot of all all round players, strong bowling, and some powerful batting as well. So uh, it's not going to be such a pushover. So we'll see how that pans out. But what I'm looking forward to coming up quickly from the women's uh, is the women's big bash, and this mm-hmm. year they have their standalone. And what I mean by that, it's not in in amongst the the men's big bash throughout the summer. It is uh, yeah. kicking off from October 18, so very, very shortly. Next weekend. Yeah, is, is when that kicks off um, with a with a, well, a, a game between Sydney Sixers and Sydney Thunder. Um, it's the first game next weekend and uh, the, the women's big bash. And we can see just the, the strength of the Australian players and how well they've done against Sri Lanka. They're just um, playing unbelievable cricket at the moment. But another year that these girls have been professional uh, with the run rates went up by a full point last year mm. from when they've been working at their game. And now to have some fresh air where they can be the, the main, uh, I guess, the main story uh, in the cricket calendar, I think is a great move by Cricket Australia. Yeah. Hopefully it's well supported. Most of the games are on during the weekends, so they're accessible um, for, for many people to go and support around the grounds and, and mostly at the grounds like City Power Centre and things like that. So they're very accessible in terms of getting the crowd and you're very close to the action. Um, so, look, I, I think it'll be a t- terrific series and really looking forward to that being standalone. So it starts next weekend and then finishes in the first week of December and that's sort of a two-week clearance before the start of the Men's Big Bash uh, in mid-December. So that's the Women's Big Bash, which gets underway. We'll come back. After this and wrap things up on Stumps, we'll have a look towards the international scene and see what's been making headlines around the globe. You're listening to Stumps, your weekly update for everything cricket.
Wrapping things up today on Stumps, Bryce McGain here with myself, Jordan Canellis. As uh, we finish off, we turn our attention to what's been happening overseas and uh, we're getting back into the full swing of uh, test match cricket and uh, what a phenomenal performance it was from India, the Indian batting performance. Firstly, in the uh, in the first test, Bryce, they had uh, a couple of centuries at the top of the order. Yep. Uh, Virat Kohli missed out on that occasion, but he's certainly made up for it this time around. He's... Uh, he finished as India declared uh, six for six oh one. He finished with a uh, his seventh double ton in Test crickets, two hundred and fifty four not out. That's correct. Absolutely outstanding batting performance, and uh, I guess every time he does miss out, you know he's closer to succeeding because uh, he he is along with Steve Smith the real standout in world cricket at the moment. So. It was certainly a standout performance there. Um, Agarwal opening the batsman with 108 as well. Uh, great supporting role there. Pajara with 58. Common names we know. Rahane, 59. And uh, Jadeja batting as high as 6, uh, mm. 91. So he has batted as low as uh, 8, you know, eight nine ten. 10. Um, is batting up at 6 at the moment with 91. So he, he was uh, putting the, the cherry on top of that big total that India has set up. And they've got some early wickets too um, with South Africa battling along, they are three for 36 I mean, at that, Stumps. That's a, that's a strong-looking Indian team. I mean, they always look strong. We know they're a powerhouse all the time, but when you've got arguably the best number three in the world, I reckon, Cheteshwar Pujara, yep. you've got Virat Kohli, who's one of the best players in the world, um, and then you've got those those players who can who can contribute in the middle order, and you've got Rahane and Jadeja. I mean, that's surprising for me. Jadeja, we know he's a good all-rounder. He's one of my favourite all-rounders yep. in world cricket, but scoring a 91 from... A, a, essentially a spinning all-rounder in the middle order. It's fantastic. Absolutely it is. And they, they've got the good balance. Pajara, really patient player, as is Rahane. But then you've got the firepower of Kohli, who just loves bat on ball and scoring briskly. And, and Jadeja, you know, he's not going to be mucking around. He'll be really accelerating things. So they've got the right balance between a, a, aggression and, and a good um, uh, between aggression and, and also just uh, accumulating and batting uh, long periods of time. What does it say about South Africa, though? Their team looks... Uh, it's very new. A lot of names that we haven't quite heard too much of. Uh, there's a couple of familiar faces in there, but uh, and to be at three for 36 at Stumps on day number two, it's a worrying position for them. Yeah, Faf Duplessis still to come in and bat, so he, he'll bat uh, in, in next. They put in a night watchman. Vernon uh, Philander um, opening the bowling with Rabada, their common names, but then um, maybe not some household names in behind that. Um, they lacked a lot of penetration in their bowling, unfortunately. So um, a transitional period for South African cricket, um, but a real strong period for India. And that'll be a good outcome for India, um, winning away from home, which they've struggled for many, many years. Even though they've had these strong lineups, um, away from home has been a battle for them. Finishing up, we know we're still in the middle of the first round of Sheffield Shield uh, fixtures. So keep an eye across those scores as they all come to a close tomorrow. But uh, on next week's episode, there's three more um, Sheffield Shield matches that we'll look towards. What are the fixtures for next week in the Shield? They are indeed. Uh, the Queensland will continue up at the Gabba. South South Australia will head up there after playing Victoria this weekend. They head up to the Gabba. That's going to be a tough challenge for them. Oh, yeah. The Victoria go over to the Wacker. They'll be playing Western Australia. And New South Wales, their first home game in Sydney, will take on Tassie. That's uh, another tantalising round of Sheffield Shield uh, results and fixtures for you. Bryce, it's been a pleasure doing business with you again. Another great week of cricket. We'll chat again next week on Stumps. You bet, Jordan.